before you today to just share with you what God has given me. We thank Hold on a second. Just getting some technical things in order, so I apologize for that. But yes, we are excited to be here before you this morning. We thank the Lord for everything that he's doing in our life and by faith, uh, believing for the things that he is doing in your life. We are uh, getting ready to release uh, episode number four of Coffee with the Bishop. That will come out tomorrow at 6 p.m., so be looking for it. Uh, it is a beautiful conversation that uh, God allowed us to have uh, with the Director of Public Safety for the City of Columbus, and that's none other than Dr. Robert Clark. Uh, we thank the Lord for not only the relationship that he's building between he and I, but for the blessing uh, of him being able to come and to just sit down and talk with us about the things that concern the church and community, things that deal with how we can work together, um, dealing with things like lost hope and uh, the violence that has stricken our city and um, what it's going to take to truly turn these things around. So we are so thankful to the Lord for that conversation that we had. Um, we are in post-production uh, with episode five of the uh, Coffee with the Bishop. You're going to see in episode four and episode five some uh, added features and some things that we've been able to enhance the viewing uh, of the broadcast, and uh, we're excited about that. God is opening doors and uh, giving us the knowledge necessary to continue to polish uh, what it is that you are seeing, and we hope that it will be a blessing to you. Um, uh, next up is uh, this uh, episode five, which... Uh, let me tell you, was an awesome, awesome conversation with a mighty woman of God who, you talk about uh, people wearing a lot of hats, she is blessed to do a lot of things. She has been gifted by God to do a lot of things, and that's none other than LaRonda Davis, and we are so excited for uh, episode five coming out. That is in post-production, uh, putting the finishing touches on that. And uh, episode six is right lined up. Amen. We're excited about that as well. And that's going to be with Dr. Thomas uh, Burns, Bishop Dr. Dom Thomas Burns. Um, a wonderful conversation. Um, a lot of insight, a lot of wisdom uh, was shared in that conversation as well. So there's a lot of things coming up. So stay tuned. Uh, continue to join with us. Uh, please, if you can, watch it on our YouTube channel. Uh, you can also watch it on Facebook. Facebook. Make comments. Ask questions. And we will definitely take those uh, questions and we will get you responses to them and either release those responses in this uh, uh, or in this uh, venue or we will um, come up with a new thing to release all the questions and the answers that have uh, come into the ministry. Um, if you do watch it on YouTube, we ask that you hit that like button and to subscribe to the channel. It doesn't cost you anything. We don't uh, put commercials on there. So all you're going to get is uh, what God has allowed us to produce, to give to you. Uh, it just helps the channel grow. And as the channel grows, YouTube gives it a wider platform. So we are, are thankful to the Lord for you by faith subscribing to the channel. Amen.
I just want to take a moment again to celebrate the Lord for God is truly a great and mighty God. And we are excited about the things that he is doing in our lives, uh, in the ministry, um, you know, in the studio. Uh, so many things are happening for us and we are just really excited about that. In my studies of the Word of God, I've been in this vein talking about how um, the body of man is made up in connection with its relationship with God. And I've been dealing with different parts of the body and uh, different uh, parts of the structure uh, of mankind as it relates to God, God's creation, God's uh, um, image expressed into us. And I want to deal today with the soul of man. It's really important that we talk about and that we understand the soul of man. Uh, in the order of how things work between uh, God and us, our relationship with the Lord truly begins with the heart. And if you think about it, your relationship with anyone really begins with the heart. Because if you remember on last week, I told you it's the heart that is the entrance and the exit of our whole being. The second thing we have to deal with today uh, is our conscience. And the third uh, is with our fellowship with the Lord. Because by having a pure conscience, a conscience that's void of offense, we will have transparent fellowship with the Lord instead of what I like to refer to now uh, in, in this uh, stage of life as our hidden fellowship with God. We fellowship with the Lord, which we, when we talked about fellowship a few weeks ago, we talked about fellowship it simply means the touching of man to God and God to man. So in our ability to touch God and in our ability to be touched by God, we hide things from God or we try to hide things. We know that we cannot hide anything from the Lord. We're like Adam in the garden trying to find a place to hide from the God that sees all and knows all. It's silly in its concept, but it is still something we endeavor to do today. And God is looking for a transparent fellowship between his creation and those that he is in relationship with. And it's important because by the end of today, you're going to understand the difference uh, between being in Christ and just having knowledge about Christ. And there are people that believe that they're in Christ when in actuality, they only have knowledge about Christ. And as a result, what they're missing is, is that if you're not in Christ, then you are out of Christ. And if you are out of Christ, then you do not get to enjoy the things of Christ, which first and foremost is the forgiveness of God for all of our sins. So it's important that you get an understanding of the things that I talk about today because this could be the transition point in your life, in your walk with God, in your relationship with God, in your understanding that allows you to eclipse where you have been to where you want to be or where you think you've been to where you think you would like to be. At least according to the word of God, we have to live according to his truth if we're going to enjoy the benefits of that very truth. Now, we're also going to touch a little bit upon the intuition or uh, what I refer to as the anointing um, because it's really next in the order of things and is always based upon the sprinkling of the blood. Now, even the Old Testament types set forth this uh, uh, type of principle. The blood always precedes the anointing. 
the blood always precedes the anointing. It's the sprinkling of the blood that deals with the negative things or the sin things that are in your life. And then it is the anointing of the Holy Spirit that brings about the positive or uh, it's the very applying of the very element or essence or substance of God himself to us. The blood washes away all that is not like God, all the negative things that are in us, and the anointing brings in all of us that which is all of God. So God himself is then applied to us by his anointing. And by this anointing within our spirit, we receive a direct sense of God through the function of the uh, intuition or our inner reckoning of the presence of something in us that is more than us. Something is going on inside of us that we can't quite put our finger on, but we understand that it is not of us. It is greater than us, but yet still a part of us. And according to our Christian experience, this is the right order of things within the relationship uh, of man to God. The heart, the conscience, the fellowship, or the ability to touch and be touched, and our intuition, the reckoning of something that's going on. Now, all of our relationship with Christ starts, again, from our heart. And it goes from the heart and continues to our spirit. Now, I've talked about that in depth over the last few weeks, and I really want to talk to you today about the parts of the soul. So let's start with the mind. Now, we talked about intuition, and we understand that intuition is not in our mind, it's in our spirit. But with intuition in our spirit, we need our mind. You see, Intuition gives the sense of the inner knowledge of something happening, but to sense the spiritual things is one thing, and to understand spiritual things is completely another. The things of God are sensed in the spirit, but they are understood in the mind. You cannot understand the things of God in the spirit, for the spirit is not designed for understanding. It is designed for connection. So it is the mind where we bring about understanding the things of God. Now, many times we know something of God within our spirit, but uh, due to the problem of our mind, we do not understand what we know is present. And sometimes it may take two or three weeks or uh, even months before we are able to completely and fully understand what it is that we sense in our spirit. We are aware that something is going on, something is present, something is happening, but we can't put our finger on it. We, we need the understanding in our mind to interpret what it is that's happening in our spirit. So the things of God are sensed by the function of our intuition in our spirit, but they are understood by the function of the understanding of our mentality. So you feel them in your spirit, you understand them in your mind. As a matter of fact, you ought to put this in the comment section. I feel God in my spirit. I understand what I'm feeling in my mind. 
Now, it, it's for this reason that we are told in the book of Romans, the 12th chapter and the second verse, that we need to do what? We need a renewing of the mind. But this verse first says that we are not to be fashioned according to this age. So let's look at this. Let's break this down for a minute. The word world, which is used in the King James Version, means age. And uh, we, we find this as we examine the text according to the Greek uh, transcription. And uh, age here in the Greek is the equivalent to the English word modern. And I want you to understand this. So the age then is the present or modern course of this world. So the world's history is divided into successive ages such as the first century, the second century, the third century, the fourth century, and so on. We are in the 21st century now. Now we could say that each century is an age and without the ages the world could not exist so today's age is that part of the world system that's presently surrounding us so to be conformed to this age means that we are modern or following the present course of the world uh, you ought to write this by faith I am not modern you ought to write that in the comment section I am not Modern. If you are a child of God, by the time you get to the end of this sermon today, hearing it and, and allowing it to uh, minister to you, you will realize that those words are, uh, uh, are so necessary to be true for you that you are not modern. You are not formed after the course of this present world. So you ought to put that on there by faith. I am not modern. I am not modern. You see, the verse continues from there, and it goes on to say that we are transformed by the renewing of the mind. So if we are occupied by the things of this age, that's being modern, if we are modern, occupied by the things of this age, our mind, watch this, cannot be renewed. You cannot have a renewed mind if you are occupied by what is modern or what is this age. And this is why so many Christians who are really saved cannot understand spiritual things. I want you to understand this. They've become too modern. We have to give up this modern age. If we're going to uh, be conformed to this age, we can never be transformed by the renewing of our mind. If you're going to be conformed to this age, Age. If you're going to accept that the things of this age are what they are and, and they're right and acceptable and you live by them and uh, think by them and understand by them, I'm here to tell you according to scripture, you do not have a transformed mind. Your mind has not been renewed. And since the mind is a part of the soul, it is in the soul then that transformation 
transformation takes place. I want you to understand this. We have been regenerated in the spirit, but now the problem is not in our spirit, it's in our soul. There's no doubt about our regeneration because the Lord is uh, within us as our eternal life and the Holy Spirit is our uh, is dwelling in our spirit. He's alive in us. Our spirit has been made alive and it's been regenerated with Christ as life by the gift of the Holy Spirit. But what about our soul? This is the question that burdens my spirit today. What about our soul? What about our mind? What else is in the soul? Your will. What else is in the soul? Here's that ugly E word. Emotion. In our spirit, we are entirely different from the people of the world. But I am afraid that in our mind, which is our uh, will and our emotions, or in our soul, which encompasses our mind, will, and emotions, we are still exactly the same as we were before we came to know God. You see, regeneration has been accomplished in our spirit, but after the process of regeneration, we still need the process of transformation, and transformation takes place in your soul. Your spirit gets regenerated, your soul gets transformed. Uh, let me illustrate this in a visual sense. Uh, let, let's talk about clothing for a second. What about the clothing that I'm wearing? Many people who are saved uh, just like the people uh, of the world in their thinking about fashion. They, they think the same way as people in the world think about fashion. They dress in conformity to this modern age. So whatever this age says is uh, appropriate for you to wear, then you accept that as being appropriate. So then for you, the age, this modern age, has determined conformity with what is right or wrong concerning your dress. So they think that as long as it's not sinful, it, it must be quite all right. But this is merely formed in human thought and uh, born out of a natural concept. And if people would be transformed by the renewing of their mind, their thoughts about the way or the manner in which they dress would change. It would no longer be whether what I'm wearing is in conformity with the standard of the world. The question would then be, is what I'm wearing in conformity with the standard of God because my mind has been renewed in Christ Jesus. So when God looks at me, does God say, man, you look good? Or, or does God look at me and say, ah, you might want to take a thought about what it is you've got on because you don't look as good as you think you look. Uh, the world would say it like this. Not everyone has uh, the right to wear spandex. Spandex. spandex don't look good on everybody. Uh, help me somebody. I, I'll get saved enough for you here in a little bit, but I'm trying to make this as visual as I can. But it's not just about our clothing or the things that we wear. What about your finances? Oh, I'm getting ready to touch on something now. Uh, don't, don't, don't turn the channel. Don't tune away. Uh, but let's talk about our finances for a second. Has the way that you use your money been changed? 
things. I've heard of many Christians who, after they are saved, they continue to use their money in much the same way as they did when they were living in the world. Not much has changed in the fashion of the spending of the money. Now, they'll say, well, I, I give my tithes and I give my offerings now. Praise God. I'm glad you're obedient to the word. I don't care what nobody say, including Creflo. I, I'm just here to tell you, I'm glad that you're obedient because you give your tithe and your offering. But not until you love the Lord more and give the Lord more ground to work within you will you be transformed in the way you spend your money. And I'm going to talk about that here in a little bit. But it's the same way. There are uh, many young brothers uh, and sisters that are going off to college and they're studying in college and, and they have the same thoughts about their studies and their degrees as uh, everybody else, as other worldly young people, people who have no knowledge of God. But if they would give ground to the Lord and be transformed in their soul by the renewing of their mind, their mind would be changed about every one of these matters and so much more. It does not mean that they would not go to college or that they would give up their studies, uh, uh, but their thoughts and the concept uh, surrounding their thinking about their studies would be entirely different than those that are in the world. They would have another point of view from which to evaluate their study and the degrees that they are seeking after. I have often seen people come out of college so different from who they were when they went into college. I've seen sweet people go into college and because of who they connected themselves with, they came out as militants. I've seen militants go into college, but because they got connected with some people, they came out as uh, educational geniuses. The difference is more like the world and less like God in their thinking and in their mannerisms. And it's so important that our focus only be the Lord. Now, uh, there, there should be a change in our thoughts towards uh, almost everything. As, as a matter of fact, we, we shouldn't be thinking about things the same way as we did before we knew who Jesus was. So what is this change in our thoughts? It's our transformation of our soul because our mind has been renewed. We have Christ as life within our spirit, but now we need Christ to spread into the inward parts of our soul and saturate them with himself. And when this happens, this will transform our soul into the very image of Jesus himself. The image of Christ will then be reflected not just outwardly for the world to see, but inwardly for for you to see in your own thoughts, uh, in whatever we think and uh, in everything that we consider, our renewed mind will be expressed uh, and, and it will express the glorious image of Jesus. Uh, now the understanding of our mind will then be spiritual. It will be very easy then for the mind to understand the things uh, that we sense in our spirit. Uh, if you're struggling to understand what's going on in your spirit, 
spiritual existence, you need a renewed mind. When you find that your mind is able to comprehend the things of God that are happening in your spirit, I'm here to tell you that you're sensing a renewal of your mind. Transformation has started to take place. I may not be today what God wants me to be, but honey, I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind. Now, the proper translation of Romans 8 and 6 is to set the mind on the spirit, and that is life and peace. Or better, the mind that is set on the spirit is life and peace. Now, in Romans 7, the mind is attempting to do things by its own independent effort. Sounds like some folk I know. Uh, and, and as a result, because it's doing it by its own effort, it finds itself in a defeated position. But when we move over from Romans 7 into Romans 8, we find that in Romans 8, the mind cooperates with the spirit and is set on the things of the spirit. The mind has found another law, the text says, which is more powerful and it's stronger than the law of sin that's talked about in chapter 7. This new law is the law of life. Uh, that life is the indwelling presence of Jesus in our spirit through the gift of the Holy Ghost. The mind never again attempts to do things independently but sets itself on the spirit which is indwelt by the Holy Ghost. The mind then is set on the spirit not on the flesh. It's one thing to be renewed in the mind and it's another to set the mind upon the spirit and to stand and cooperate with the spirit. You ought to put this in the text section in the comment section. My mind stands in cooperation with the spirit of God. I stand in my mind in cooperation with the spirit of God. You see the more our mind stands with our spirit the more it comes under the control of our spirit and since our spirit is embodied by the Holy Ghost then your mind becomes uh, a part of the exercise of the gift of God in you and because our mind stands with the spirit and the spirit will rule over the mind it will saturate the mind and it becomes the spirit of our mind Romans 8 and 6 says the mind of the spirit but Ephesians 4 and 23 says the spirit of your mind so when the spirit controls and saturates the mind the spirit becomes the spirit of the mind so let's consider the text in Ephesians 4 and 23 uh, verse 22 let me back up a second here states that we must put off what the old man and verse 24 says that we what must put on who the new man. So this is the work of the cross and resurrection. I'm trying to get you somewhere. The work of putting off the old man and putting on the new man that's discussed in Ephesians is the process of the cross and resurrection. So putting off the old man is the work of the cross and the putting off or the putting on rather of the new man is the work of resurrection. Now, 
Something is happening between the putting off of the old and the putting on of the new. Between the work of the cross and the work of the resurrection, you'll find verse 23. And it says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The renewing of the mind then includes the work of the cross with the work of resurrection. It means that our natural mind must be crossed out and renewed in the resurrection. The death of the cross is not the end, but it's a process that leads to an end, and that end is our resurrection. Uh, hence, the more you die by the cross, the more you will be resurrected. Let me say that again. The more you die by the cross, the more you will be resurrected. We talk about crucifying the flesh daily that God might live. The more we die, you ought to put that in the, con the comment section. I need to die so the resurrection can come. The resurrection can't come if I remain alive. The negative things will not only be put to an end, but the way will also be opened for the positive things of God. You see, death to the natural mind leads to a resurrected mind. Oh, you ought to let your mind die so it can live. Uh, you ought to let your mind die so it can live. When uh, this is, you know, we will have this renewed mind that comes as a process of the resurrection. And this renewed mind is in the spirit and it's under the control of the spirit. It is filled with the spirit. It is full of the spirit. And because of these things, the spirit becomes the spirit of the mind. So our mind will not only be renewed, it will not only be a renewed mind, but it will also be a spiritual mind with spiritual understanding. And it's easy for a, a mind like this, a, a spiritual mind, to interpret the things that are sensed in our intuition. If you don't know what's going on, but you know something's going on, you ought to tell yourself, I need to die so that I can live. I need to die so that I can live. Well, if that be true, then I've got to touch on our will. Yes, I said our will, W-I-L-L, -L, that is will, and that's what I need to touch on today, because suppose our renewed mind understands what we sense uh, functioning or happening by our intuition, then the issue becomes our willingness uh, to obey what we understand. We may understand, but we may also say no. To obey with the will is a problem that many of us in the body of Christ have. It's reflected in things like I put my salvation on a shelf and I dealt with this my way. See, that's the problem. There's too much your way and not enough God's way. I would be careful laying down my salvation just so I can do something. But 
but let my life be a reflection of the God in me and his will trump my own oh hallelujah Lord help me today I'm feeling a little bit preachy today. I'm sorry. Uh, let, me, let, me just, let me just take a deep breath. Woo-sai, woo-sai. Let me just calm down just a little bit. Uh, because we have to understand that our will is a problem for us. Actually, if we do not have an obedient will, it is difficult to understand what is in our intuition. You see, the Lord is very wise and he never does anything wastefully and if he knows that we have no willingness to obey him there is no need for us to receive the understanding he will just leave us in darkness why you might ask well why should he allow us to understand if we are not going to obey the understanding we receive the understanding must be backed by a will that is obedient or a will that's ready to obey the Lord. You ought to read John 7 and 17 to get an idea of what I'm talking about. When we read and we are ready to obey, we will be able to understand. As a matter of fact, you ought to put that in the comment section. We're doing a lot of typing today. When I obey, I understand. When I disobey, I lack understanding let me give you an example I know y'all like examples so let me give you an example some have come to me with questions but without a heart to listen and receive and understand what I release into their life now I realized that it would just be a waste of time to talk with many of them. And sometimes I ask them as a, as a starting question, do you really mean business about what we're getting ready to talk about? And if your answer or, or if your, uh, uh, your response to my question uh, is that you are willing to do what the Lord declares uh, that you will obey, then we can have a conversation. But typically, the answer would usually sound something in the arena of, well, maybe, but I, I may not like what it is that you have to tell me today. And I just want to study what you say and find out what is what. Uh, the will has to be wholly submissive and not only submissive, but it has to be in harmony with the will of God. If you don't believe me, you ought to check Luke 22 and 42, check James 4 and 7, check, uh, uh, check Philippians 2 and 13, and you'll find out that what I'm telling you is true. God created us with a free will. Uh, I often say, God, I wish you didn't do that because I don't really want to have a will that's outside of your will, and it seems sometimes in the flesh it's too hard to get my will to be submissive to your will because my will don't know how to shut up. If you ever see me standing in the corner just yelling shut up, don't worry I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to me because sometimes I need to tell myself you ought to just shut up you ain't saying nothing good go deal with yourself shut up and come back when you in alignment with God. You see I have conversations like that with myself because I want to express God. 
I want to I want to be all the God I can be that God intended for me to be and sometimes I get in the way of that and I recognize that but God created us with a free will he never forces us to do anything but always gives us the option to choose now although God is great and wise and he never forces us to do anything if he were to use force it would mean that he is really small you see, Satan not only forces people, but even seduces them. But God would never seduce you or force you to do anything. God says, in effect, if you like it, do it. If you don't, don't. If you love me, do it. If you don't love me, forget it. Go your own way. You see, God is very simple. God is not the complicated thing that we have made him out to be. God has made it extremely simple so that even a dummy like me, I said me, I'm not calling you a dummy, but so even a dummy like me can understand it. He'll tell you, look, if you want to do it the way I've told you, the blessings of the Lord are going to be your portion, but if you want to go your own way, go your own way and deal with whatever is your portion so there is the need to exercise our will otherwise it is difficult for God to do anything so in order to exercise our will we must make our will submissive and ready to obey not just when we are in front of other people. Come on. Come on, let, let me just pause there and let, let you just get a second to think. Not just when you are in front of your pastor. Not just when you're in a holy place. When you are submissive, you are ready to obey at all times. Amen. You see, we should not only submit ourselves to the will of God, but also bring our will into harmony with the will of God. So the question I ask myself on a constant basis, is my will right now in harmony with God? You see, when our will is dealt with, to this extent, it is transformed. It will become saturated with Jesus as our life by the spreading of the Holy Spirit. Now, others will sense the Savior and the very image of Christ that is existing in not just our life, but in the exercise of our will. Every decision that we make will be an expression of Jesus. And this is not just uh, some supposition or, or some new theology or a doctrine I'm trying to drop in your lap. Sometimes when we meet, uh, you know, our brothers and sisters in the Lord, we sense the the very presence of Jesus not just in their life but in the things that they say in the things that they choose in the things that they decide this simply proves that they have been saturated with Jesus by being transformed in their will and in their mind Amen. Amen. now let me talk to you for a moment 
about our emotions. Whew. We need to turn the air conditioner up in here. Let me just talk to you about our emotion. This is the last thing today I want to touch on. I want to touch on the soul because the soul deals with troublesome emotion. Now, as we all know, nearly all of our troubles are related to our emotion. It has to be uh, under the control of the Holy Spirit. Your emotion has to be, must be, needs be under the control of the Holy Spirit. And this is why Matthew 10, 37 through 39 exhorts us to love the Lord more than everything else. So what the Lord does not allow, we should not love. Let me say that again. What the Lord does not allow, what the Lord does not say is right, what the Lord, the Lord does not give you license to do, what the Lord does not open up the windows of heaven and bless you to do, you should not love. Amen. The regulating of our love under the control of the Lord is necessary. But we have to also know the things of God and always being ready to exercise our mind, our will, and our emotion not according to the pleasure of man or the pleasure of self but according to the Lord's pleasure. Amen. Now, many times our emotions have the Lord's permission but they don't have his pleasure. Wow. Let me say that again for you because sometimes we get this twisted. Many times our emotions have the Lord's permission, but not his pleasure. Amen. Let me explain it. You see, it's like this, Lucy. He, all, he allows us to love something, but he's not pleased with our choice. Amen. He allows us to love it, but he's not pleased with the choice that we have made. Now, I know someone who has found themselves in such a situation. They knew that the Lord allowed them in their emotion to do a certain thing, but through time they have realized that the Lord was not happy about their choice. Now they've gone back to the Lord and they said, Lord, even though you have permitted this, I will no longer do this. I realize that you are not happy with the choice that I made, so I changed my choice. And this is a very good way to be. They received sweet fellowship and they were full of peace and full, full of joy. They learned the lesson of bringing their emotion entirely under the control of the Lord and his pleasure. But I also know people that have loved something that now they cannot walk away from. And sometimes we can get the Lord's permission to love something but not 
receive his joy over the very thing that we love and end up dealing with trouble all the days of our life because we've chosen to love something that God gave us license to love but told us I got something much better for you if you would just wait on me now the more we love it the more we lack the joy and finally it becomes a suffering to us there's no enjoyment involved anymore every day is a chore every time I wake up it's a, it's a tedious day I've got to face this nonsense again and this proves that we were wrong in our emotion it doesn't deny that our emotion is real but what we have to recognize is that our emotion was not in harmony with God now we all must learn to deal with our emotion according to the pleasure and the joy of the Lord. And if we do not sense the joy of the Lord in what we are seeking, you need to not love it. It'll save you a lot of heartache. Now many have heard messages that come out of Matthew 10, 37 through 39 exhorting them not to love their parents, their brothers and sisters and themselves more than they uh, love the Lord, but they cannot understand what this really means. It simply means that they have to love everything under the control of the Lord with his pleasure. So the Lord is not so small, nor is he so cruel uh, that he doesn't want us to love anything but him. But we must learn that whatever we hate or whatever we love, whatever we like or whatever we dislike must be done under the permission and the license and the pleasure of the Lord and we will receive his full joy. We have to exercise our emotion according to the Lord's emotion. You see, when our emotion is not under his emotion, we are wrong and we can never enjoy the fullness of his joy. The more we go our own way, the more we will lose our own joy. We cannot have the sweet, tender, and deep fellowship or touch with God when we are going in the opposite direction of his instruction. And, 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 and you know, I know that uh, we can, uh, no one is condemned uh, and, and, and we're not going to condemn us that uh, we're wrong and we can uh, even claim before others that uh, we received permission from God to, you know, whatever. But we, if we are honest with ourselves, realize that that permission came without his joy. Amen. You see, if our emotion is kept under the rule of the Lord with his pleasure and his joy, it will saturate our spirit. We will then be transformed into the very image of the Lord from one stage of glory into another stage of glory. And when we start to deal with the heart, our conscience, our fellowship, our intuition, our mind, our will, and our emotion, we will be what is referred to as mature and fully grown believers. We will have the stature of the Lord. All that we will have to do is to wait for his coming to transfigure our body. If our soul is transformed, 
spiritual strength and power will even now saturate our weak and mortal body when we need it. We will not only be regenerated in the spirit and transformed in the soul, but the divine life itself will saturate our mortal body in times of physical weakness and in times of sickness. Finally, at the coming of the Lord, when the sky cracks, the body will be transfigured and our whole being, spirit, soul, and body will be in the glorious image of the Lord. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but I know we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. This will be the ultimate application of the Lord's redemption, which is applied in three steps. Understand these three steps. Generation of the spirit, transformation of the soul, and transfiguration of the body. These three steps are the process of your redemption, regeneration of your spirit, transformation of your soul, and the transfiguration of your body. And at the present time, you are in the process of transformation. But hold on, because step three is on its way. Soon the trump shall sound and the transfiguration shall take place. Now the soul needs all of these dealings, the, the dealings with the mind, the will, and the emotion. My prayer is that the Lord help us to put these into practice. This is the very thing that the children of God need each and every day. All the teachings and the gifts are given by the Lord for this very purpose. It's only by this process that we can be the proper materials for God to build his church. Will you today stand in harmony with God? Or are you just satisfied with getting his permission but not enjoying his joy? What is up with my soul? My soul cries out to you, Lord. Where I have been wrong, make me right. By the renewing of all that is within me that I might be the expression of you in all that I am. God bless you. Heaven smile upon you and grant to you great peace in this day and every day that is to come. For soon the Lord shall return. Will you be ready? Or will you be standing there gazing, seeing what is happening, knowing you had the opportunity, but your way kept you from enjoying his. Yes. Have an awesome day. Amen.